Hey there. Good evening. Look what's going on. This is craziness. This is a this is a really exciting show tonight. It's a very big night. This is a big night. We've it's kind of been like massaging our way to this kind of like this getting the show ready and feel like this is a big this big moment. We've been tilling the ground. Yeah. And uh preparing the way. Right. And I think the way has been prepared for well, prepared or not, it's happening. Uh, the big, the big kahuna. We have uh, we have uh, the 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 third brother. How else do you put it? We have or he could or he might be the first brother. Well, in fact, actually, that's how I posted it on social. Was that it, he's he's brother number one? I mean, he's the first one. Primo. Yeah. Primo. Primo. Okay. Should we welcome him? Let's let's pole. wipe without further ado. All right. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> here. Hey, welcome. Happy to see you. Should we tell everyone that we're actually in the same room, the three of us? We are in the yeah, and 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 in honor of that occasion, in honor of that occasion, I don't know if you can see what I have over here. Yes. You can see in the background there. I see oh, booze. Yeah, a bottle of champagne. A little toast. <laughs> To welcome you to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we're very excited. This is actually um, actually a dual purpose celebration because some very exciting stuff happened for uh, Tertio. If uh, Primo, Secundi, and Tertio. <laughs> some very exciting stuff happened for Tertio today, too. So this, this champagne is in honor of your joining the show. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your excitement? Well, I, I can't go into, I can't actually go into too many details. Oh. But, oh, hey, Opa, the uh, a project I've been working on for a while, uh, my movie, uh, looks like it has some, uh, some, some thunder behind it, finally. There's some, there's some nice activity behind the scenes. Uh, so um, I'm hopeful to be able to talk about it um, in depth. Next this is for you. And this is for you. Well, cheers. IT, cheers. And this is for me. Cheers, Matthew. And since I don't like champagne, I'm drinking beer also. So we opened the champagne just as a uh, just for for show. Ceremonial. Um it was a really expensive bottle of champagne we're throwing out, just so you know. You can use that for for uh, for some recipe, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's some flat champagne instant pot recipe that I'll be. Uh... You look you look great, Adam, and um, I'm glad everybody's wearing black t-shirts today. For some reason, we all got that memo and yeah. showed up. <laughs> um, it's too. And I, it's amazing we all we all look exactly the same as we do in. Uh, in, uh, in this photograph uh, here. We, yeah, have, we haven't put it for all of us. We haven't changed the bet. Not at all. <laughs> so uh, just so if, if anybody happens to be watching, uh, Adam, you're on the West Coast right yeah. now. Uh, Matthew and I are on the East Coast. Uh, how's the air quality today? You uh, 
you, the air quality is improving and the and the biggest fire that, that's been raging near us uh they they turned a corner today so they, they, they've got it i guess last i read they've got it like 40 percent contained now which after weeks of not being able to contain it at all is a, a big improvement but yeah, it's 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 felt it's felt like thing. I, I know there are crews that are still fighting like mad, but it's it's felt uh, uh, like things are getting back to normal in terms of just being able to breathe. Right, right. I I, um, I quoted an old Johnny Carson joke recently about uh, the air quality. I said uh, I don't want to say the smog was bad yesterday, but at one point I took a deep breath and I chipped a tooth. <laughs> yeah. I, that's funny. <laughs> that's the first Carson joke I ever remembered as a kid hearing ever. Yeah. That was when I realized he was kind of funny. He had his moments. Yeah. The, the, the Burbank air quality jokes. Yeah. Good time. How's the air quality uh, where you are, Matthew? Is it is it okay? In, uh, in Westchester County, mm -hmm. the air quality is awesome. Trees. Yeah. I'd forgotten what green trees look like. It's uh, it's beautiful up here. But I was down in Philly yesterday. That was interesting. What were you doing down there? Spent a day down in Philly visiting my son. That's right. And had ramen for the first time in six months. That was pretty exciting. Nice. I mean, not as opposed, not packaged ramen. Actual out of the road ramen. Real ramen. So, um, I guess we've got a movie to talk about tonight, huh? We do. We do. I mean, we can catch up uh, anytime. We don't have to do that on a live broadcast. We don't yeah. need to subject people to our, no. our musings about... No. About real things? Yeah, yeah. about real things. About fake, completely fake things. <laughs> yeah, um, let's start about <laughs> fake stuff. So, um, Carlito's Way, 1993. Three. Yep. And do you want to take us away with some historical perspective? Well, I mean, uh, you know, you mean talking to me? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's right. I have. We have to make clear who we're talking to now. I don't know now who you are. What's happening? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so we're talking about this movie, Carlito's Way, from 1993. And this is a, a, a uh, kind of, I would call it a, uh, you know, it's definitely a gangster, uh, a gangster uh, drama. I feel like it's got equal measures drama and and kind of typical gangster stuff in it. 70s style New York gangster saga um, starring Al Pacino and Sean Penn, uh, Penelope Ann Miller, and directed by Brian De Palma, who was coming in after I, I what I remember to be kind of a slump. Uh, De Palma, who I am... I am becoming a the kind of fan who admits he's a fan of De Palma now, because it's safer to say that. Um, actually, I don't know if it's safer to say that because a lot of his films are considered kind of, you know, a little bit a little bit rough on on the modern on the modern eyes. But uh, he's he's an amazing filmmaker, I think. And he was coming out of a slump, from what I remember, because it was after. I think Casualties of War was a was very mixed on people were mixed on that movie bonfire of the vanities was a famous catastrophe production that i think may have like almost bankrupted a studio or something like it was one of those huge huge famous uh nightmare productions and, and then all because they replaced our dad in it 
that had that that was a weird part of it yeah um so De Palma needed to hit and he came through with this and apparently the movie had been offered to which was interesting uh Abel Ferrara was offered this movie before Brian De Palma was which is really interesting you can see where he was at that time because Ferrara was a was a real indie guy you know been interesting to see what he did with that movie but anyway this, this is Carlito's way that's what it is um now I, I had you seen it before Adam I had I had seen it when it came out yeah yeah but We're, had hadn't revisited it since then so it, it was interesting seeing it again after 27 years I was the same way uh how um and had you seen it before Matthew I had not seen it you had never seen it I had never seen well, it. What's your excuse? What what happened? Um, it's a very sad story, actually. Well, I think everybody would love to hear that. <laughs> That's yeah. um, I had um, I had kind of uh, I knew Penelope Ann Miller when I was in law school. Oh no! Oh and no! I, and and I knew her roommate. Uh-huh. And um I uh I actually I, I helped Penelope Ann Miller. I, I wouldn't say that I coached her, but when she was auditioning for Biloxi Blues, I read for Broadway or for Broadway for the original production of Biloxi Blues, I worked on the scene with her. And I, I wasn't coaching her, but I was, you know, reading with her, helping her get ready for her audition. Right. And um and uh sad you didn't say it was tragic this is starting to feel like a this is starting to feel heartbreaking it's getting better and better it's it gets heartbreaking because i think um that there were there was may i don't want to be out of line i don't I, i'm pretty sure penelope's not watching the show and if she does she probably doesn't care uh but i it was a long time ago but I suspect that there might have been, you know, a, we were both young, you know, uh, in the city. And why, there was, why, why wouldn't you know, some chemistry? Maybe a little possibility there, but I was foolish enough to be more interested in the roommate. Oh, this just took a different turn. I didn't know. Oh, where this, so this, so basically, then, then as years went by, I would just say to myself, you're an idiot. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's another story of bad choices that your your okay. brother your brother has I, made. I, I'm sorry. That's uh, you know. Yeah. So things could have been a, it could have been a different whole life in a way. You don't know. Yeah. It's a hard for every light on Broadway. I still don't understand why you didn't see the movie. <laughs> yeah. What does that have? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Bitterness. Oh, bitterness. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, yeah. You just didn't want to put yourself through that. Put myself through the heartbreak of. Yeah. But this yeah. must have been, I mean, she, you know, uh, when was, when? what year are you talking? How many years before Carlito's Way? This was 84, 85. Oh, years before Carlito. Yeah. Way before. Yeah. I should have been over it by then. Uh, well, what do you, I'm in, like, I'm interested if things change for you adam and in this viewing or if you felt similarly or what do you thought of the movie when you first what did you think of it when it came out i, I you know 
uh, watching it this time, a lot of the same, uh, a lot of the same things came up for me. Uh, I, I think, if anything, I have a deeper appreciation for the movie now than I did when I first saw it. Um, but but I had I had a lot of questions about the film when, when I saw it the first time that that I also have to admit still remain for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, I mean anything we say about this or anything I say about this for the rest of the evening um, is you know I, I have to I, I have to uh, say preface it by saying that that everyone involved with this film, I have tremendous respect for. I, I, I think, you know, Brian De Palma is a great director and the cast is um, uh, uh, just amazing and Pacino is a genius. And and yet I, I, I there was always something about this movie that I, I felt was um, um, strangely conceived in certain ways. And, mm-hmm. and I, I still felt that watching it this time. And we, uh-huh. We can get into it as we go. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I had a very similar, I think I had a very similar reaction. I, I actually, um, I, I uh, when it came out, I wasn't as much a fan of the genre as I am now, you know? So it, it really wasn't in my wheelhouse when it came out. And so I think um, there were things about it that I, I remember just not getting with until kind of, and I think I've seen a lot of movies since then and gotten fallen in love with, you know, some of the movies of this period and some of the gangster movies of this period in a, in a real way. And I understand them more. And I don't know, older person seeing it got a lot more out of it than I was anticipating. Um, and uh, I'm like, I mean, I, unlike you, uh, I don't think I'm going to work with some of the people in this movie. I might be freer with what I say, but I know I tr- I generally do try to keep it very very positive. And, I, and there's a lot of positive stuff to say about it for me. I found myself really moved by it. I gotta say, like, if the criteria is, you know, does the does a movie impact me on an emotional level? Do I walk away, you know, feeling something kind of in my gut, like? a new understanding about a kind of a person or, um, or even just some, somehow something about it making me have an emotional reaction. And I had that with this movie, not big time. I wasn't, I wasn't crying. All right. I wasn't, I wasn't upset, but I I was, you can tell us crying, Tony. I was kind of moved. So, I was too. I, I thought that, that you know the the first scene between uh, Pacino and Penelope Ann Miller, uh, where, where they're reunited and they're in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that that that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually. And I mm-hmm. and, and I and I was really um, I was really touched by that scene. There was something about there was something about the 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 chemistry between the two of them and a, a sense of the history between the two of them and the way in which we we become aware of the fact that that he broke her heart you know by her <clears throat> yeah by the saying you you said you were never going to break my heart but but th- there was something so plaintive about both of them in that and and i i thought it was beautifully done yeah it's true it's really true i was thinking too about um well, these maybe are more topics of discussion, but is it, is this maybe the last great Pacino, like 
Pacino Pacino performance before it kind of turned into he kind of became a brand of, of a certain kind of thing. And I say that out of a lot of respect, man. And I've seen a lot of movies since that he's been good in. But I feel like this is the end of a kind of a Pacino era almost. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, misguided, but. I I I, uh, <clears throat> I actually think that he's, uh, I you know, in a weird way, I, I, I feel almost just the opposite. I, I feel like this was one of the, one of the, films in which I, I felt like um, he was – there are things about his performance in this that I'm confused by. And again, I, I think Al Pacino knows more about acting and film acting than, than, than I'll, I'll ever even begin to approach knowing. But I, I'm such a huge fan of his that, that, that because – I think because of that, I, I'm confused by this performance in certain ways, starting even with the fact that I, I feel like he's playing a Puerto Rican guy from New York, and he sounds like uh, he sounds like a, a, a black guy from New Orleans through the whole thing. Oh, there's – oh, yeah, there's weird choices here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does bring up the question that, that you know – things that that we if we look at this movie with today's sensibility the question about an italian playing a puerto rican versus a russian jew playing a puerto rican um yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> right which our dad did in poppy so you know which is more appropriate who should be playing puerto ricans italians it's, or russian jews it's, <laughs> it's really something uh, that needs to be debated i think yeah Neither one is going to happen anymore. I, I yeah, don't think, I think those, days, those days are over. Okay. Um, so, what did you? What? What? What was your general takeaway, Matthew? Not having seen it, the the first. Not having seen it, um, I had a thought right near the very beginning, and I don't know. Uh, I, I I certainly don't know that this is true. But right at the very beginning, there was something about his his makeup and the way it was shot where I thought to myself, oh, this is an opera. And oh, yeah. I started watching the movie through that lens. And because of watching it through that lens, I completely went along for the ride and fell in love with it. Yeah. I pretended I was watching a gangster movie at the Met. And then that was even confirmed when the when Lockme uh, comes in in the first dance in the first scene in the rain when he's watching her dance and they play that the Lockme aria which I think is one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever and um, uh, and then the 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 continuing use of music throughout the movie in ways that that supported the story like. Um, uh, where was it? Uh, when Matt Penn goes into the bathroom with Stephanie and they play Rock the Boat. Right. Um, okay. And when. John, what? Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Did I say? Who did I say? Matt Penn. Matt Penn with Sean Penn. Right. Um, and uh, when when they're about to uh, when he's about to meet uh, Viggo Mortensen who plays Laline who's been who's 
crippled because he was stabbed in in prison in the back and they're playing the song that's playing is the backstabbers you know i mean it's just continually music supporting in in almost a corny way what's happening on screen um and but you are so beautiful uh the the joe cock that joe cocker saying (laughs) so beautiful in the in the in their love scene yeah yeah it's a big sentimental movie and, yeah um, hey uh, uh mark alioto hi there it's alana and mark's ipad thank you for hey what's up mark thanks for joining um yeah you know i think that's so true man i and you kind of i kind of feel like that about all of the palma movies really it's like that's the key to a lot of his stuff is that it's it's opera it really it really is opera at a very big level and he's using color you know there's he you could make parallels to giallo and the italian kind of horror movies with um you know the use of color and extreme backgrounds and stuff but it's also very theatrical and like opera also and yeah. uh, completely uninterested in in naturalism which yeah. it, it, it takes a little getting used to especially uh, i i mean for me as a viewer, I was I was so oriented towards you know sort of the, the the films that that would convince you that you were seeing reality and uh, and then inevitably with the passage of time, even those films that seemed like they had totally caught the grit and 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 and, and authenticity, you, you realize. 10, 20 years later that, that that they were slaves to the tropes of the time in their own way, but they had just sure. been, they were real. Sure. And, and then other filmmakers just d- don't seem to care about that. And, and yeah. their stuff stands the test of time oftentimes better. And then it makes you kind of, I mean, it makes me sadly realize how, how much I've fallen prey to the tropes of the time throughout my life, yeah. different decades of my life, thinking that you know, a certain you know, disregarding a certain film because I thought another film was cooler or was, you know, the cool movie to like at that time or had, you know, the the the, the mojo at that time. It's like I look at Carlito's way and I see so much artistry in it that I that I see lacking in a lot of much more naturalistic, realistic movies that were, you know, maybe cooler back then. I, I forget how Carlito's way was was received. Do you, do you remember what the like, what did what other actors think about the movie when it came out? Do you remember? I, I think a lot of, a, a lot of, I don't think a lot of people felt it was uh, De Palma's best, but it definitely became one of his cult films for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but I, I also, I'm not, I'm not a scholar on that, that, that time. So I, I, I don't know for sure. That was just my impression at the time that yeah. it, uh, I don't think it was considered one of his, and I don't think it was one of his most successful films either. You know, the writer of the film, uh, um, David, I, I don't know how to pronounce David Cope or Cape, Cap or Cope. I don't know how to pronounce Oh. He's, he's one of the top 10 most successful screen. Oh, yeah. All yeah. Time. Well, he wrote, the, he wrote the paper, he wrote the paper, which we did last week. Uh, with with uh, Amelia, and I was in the bookstore yesterday and just happened to see this. Oh, really? Oh, wow! 
and said, wow, okay, I'm, I'm going to pick that up and give it a read because we're talking about his movie tonight. Yeah. It was uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal, the, the, the crystal Temple or something. Well, like he that. also wrote Jurassic Park. Yeah, you know, and Spider-Man. That was a good movie. Impossible, and I mean, he's one of the biggest writers out there. Uh, the, the paper. Jurassic, Jurassic Park came out the same year as Carlito's Way, so that he had a good year that year. Holy God! Wow. That's right. Wow! Look at that. Wow. Um, and there's similarities between Pacino's performance and the T-Rex. So, yeah, you can see I themes felt, there. He felt he was more Velociraptor. <laughs> okay. Look at the way he moved in the subway. And That's true. I'm gonna go on the record. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bat for this performance just because I'm just gonna do it. I I I I agree. I think there were some really weird missteps. Casting him in the first place is is still is still. I mean, <laughs> under the lens of today, choices like that really do feel weird now, and I'm glad yeah. that they do. Um, and it feels jarring to see somebody try to do that. Um, well, especially with so many Puerto Rican people, Latins in the movie. Well, the movie is littered. Everybody in it everybody is everybody except him. Everybody is amazing and and seems like. Well, I, I don't know about Vigo being that Vigo Mortensen actually. No, that authentic. No. Okay, not him. But but uh, great performance. Whatever. I just I'm just gonna say the same. You, yeah, but he's not Latin. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm in but, jail. What? Um, he, the, the backstory was he had to become Latin in jail. It was the only way he could <laughs> it was, it, There was no other choice. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, that notwithstanding, I feel that I'm looking at the list here and I'm feeling like after, after Carlito's Way with Pacino, you know, we've got amazing things, of course, but we're kind of like, he had just done Scent of a Woman and he won. And then I think he went back to Carlito's way to kind of like, ah, I got to finish off this saga, you know, of gangsterisms and go back to Scarface Town with, with De Palma and do this and finalize it. And then he went on to do like, then he did Heat and I felt like Heat as cool as that movie is, and I love watching him, I feel like he just decided to do a different kind of Al Pacino at that point. And I feel like he kind of decided to stay in that mode for a while. Donnie Brasco's good, but I feel like Carlito's Way belongs in there more with Serpico and Dog Day than it does with the later stuff. And it's it's kind of a mess in a way, but his heart was in it, I, I feel like. And I... I I, I got I got some feels out of that performance. So even if it's wrong and it shouldn't have happened, I I, I, I gotta go. I gotta say he did a nice job with it. Uh, what what about the what about some of the other performances in the film? How, how oh you... my god! Oh, well, every New York actor, everybody! Oh my god! How great is John Leguizamo in that film? John Leguizamo, unbelievable! Jumps off the screen. So incredibly great. The young John Ortiz, I want to give a, a shout out to. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot that John Ortiz was in this movie, and yeah. I, I've, I've worked with John twice on on uh, on the Americans, and then also on a uh, a, a, a a show called Rake, uh, that was a, a short lived uh, um, 
short-lived show on CBS, but um, but he's 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 great in it. Although that did bring up a question for me in the movie for sure, which is like he makes such a big <laughs> he makes Carlito makes such a big deal about the fact that 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 his his uh, his aunt uh, is, is waiting for for them to come over for dinner, right? Right. And he just he wants to make one quick stop and see his friends, and then he gets his throat slit. And and he and and he never goes like we never see the rest of that story. He doesn't have to go and explain to the aunt. Yeah, that would be the that would be the Scorsese version where they'd go to the aunt's house and and be like, listen, sorry about dinner. Yeah, and Scorsese's mom would play the aunt. Yeah, yeah. But I will have, will have the plantains that you prepared for the evening. <laughs> yeah, but but you and know. Also, but, okay, well, but design wise, like. The, the, the storytelling happens so much in camera and it, with art direction for me in this movie too, that I once they enter that bar, which is like, I mean, it's heralded by the entrance of this of this muscle car, which you see, it's like one of the most gorgeous, uh, uh, tricked out cars you've ever seen. Fast, fast as hell, fast. and it's really bright, popping colors. And it pulls up in front of this club in this really kind of creepy, scary neighborhood. And they go in, and the club is like no other club you've ever seen. It's bright red brick. Everything is is completely candy coated and strange, but blood red. And and you just know it, it's so. I mean, it's obvious for a lot of reasons where this is where it start where we're gonna go when this happens. My heart was racing from the beginning of that scene. It was like yeah. I thought I was going to have to take medication. I was it's so tense. So many close-ups of Pacino's eyes darting around the room that you know yeah. something's going to happen. And then the music, the music starts kicking in also. Yeah. yeah. And it's not subtle, and it's completely in your face, and it's telegraphing everything that's coming, and that's a whole change, but it really effectively does feel like he's just entered a new world. Like once, once that happens, he's in that club, it's a new environment. You've never seen, he's just in a new universe and that universe or his old universe is it, he never gets out of it. And that color remains through the movie ever after that and pops up again when they kick Leguizamo out of the club and it starts yeah. going crazy bright red walls behind him and stuff. It's, it's, it's right. like a Jalo movie. And they also cue you to that scene right before the scene when um, John Ortiz says, I got to ask, can I ask you a favor? Oh, yeah. Because you've been told. Right. When somebody asks you a favor, uh, I, what was the exact line? Uh, I have it written down. The uh, He says, um, uh, I'll tell uh, uh, oh, favor's going to kill you faster than a bullet. Yeah line that you hear and ortiz asked him for a favor and then sean penn asked him for a favor yeah i wasn't even i didn't even i mean i you know and i i i, I think we need to reserve like at least 10 minutes to sean penn just we have to because i i mean it's <laughs> just amazing but but yeah. um yeah i wasn't I was engaged enough in the movie just to kind of like not think about the fact that of course Sean Penn and this is going to be spoilers for everything. So anybody listening will have people to... should not watch this show if they no. haven't watched the movie. Um, but uh, I wasn't I wasn't 
anticipating him turning on Carlito or, or, or having if, but of course, I mean, when it happens, I'm like, Oh, of course, but I don't know. Something about it had me engaged enough to not be, uh, not be like too aware of all these pretty obvious things that were coming. Maybe that's just me. And I'm, I'm an easy, uh, I'm just an easy audience. You know, uh, I'm not, uh, I knew he was turning by the hair. How do you mean? The guy with that hair is not somebody you can rely on. Oh, okay. I won't argue with that. And I say that as the guy with this hair. Okay. Not generally a reliable look for people. So, yeah. Um, I loved this. After after he had uh, after he had met with the guy, the 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 the. Uh, the Godfather in in prison he, mm -hmm. he meets with him and then and then comes out and it ha has to be sick on the way yeah. out of writing. Yeah. I, I was I, um, I missed I, I miss that I miss that Sean Penn a lot. Yeah. I miss I'm, I I I I um that I haven't seen that level of thoughtful performance in a while. And I just, I, I mean, it's, it's out there, but did you, did you, what did you both think of it? Well, I, th I have just nothing but admiration anytime for an actor who's willing to play somebody that unattractive. And I don't yeah. mean just physically, I mean, just in, in every way, weak, unlikable, you know, just, and he went all the way there. Yeah. And, yeah. and so many actors in something like in, in a role like that, reserve a little energy to make sure that you know it's not them that i'm a i'm i'm a better person than this guy is yeah and he didn't do that in any way he put energy into playing a jew that that normally only a non-jew would put <laughs> it's like sean you don't have to work that hard you're right there man <laughs> Um, I just get a lot of, I mean, I just, uh, to watch somebody chew into something that with that much relish and not, and just, and have that, uh, to watch him work with, with Pacino and to see these two guys have to deal with each other in the room and have, and then have fun together. I felt like, I don't know, it was, it was really like, you could see, uh, I felt like I, I like Pacino had to kind of, he paid a little extra attention when John Penn was in the room. Like he was, he had to kind of see what was going to happen there. Yeah, both both of them seemed to be uh, they, they they were they were playing. It seemed like they were playing on a different level with each other a lot of the time. Can we give some shout outs to some of the guys with the little the tiny parts that were just this pantheon of New York actors who had these little? Uh, we have to. It's yeah, narrative. Well, well, James Reborn, who he had a bigger role, but just in, insanely great. Mark Antony, Brian Tarantino, Rocco Sisto, Vincent Pastore, um, Sandra Santiago, who later yeah. went on. Great. Yeah. Um, a, a guy who, there's a guy who I've worked with who has two seconds in this movie and I, and I recognized him. Do you remember a scene in the park where there's a guy with white hair in a weird suit who starts doing a funny dance in the background? <laughs> I and I looked at that and I went, 
holy crap, that's Bill Whedon. And in the credits, there he was. Bill, you don't even see his face. And I knew it was him. And he's still around doing, you know, doing a lot of like B horror movies. And um, and then a guy, a really great guy named uh, Jamie Torelli, who plays the cop in the DA's office. Yes, yes, yes. And who has that one little scene where he tell where he tells them they got him, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jamie, Jamie was. You remember a play Dad directed back in like 1973 called Yank Street, Detroit Nothing, Top of the Seventh? Yeah. Jamie was an extra in that play. They had ba- guys playing like baseball players as extras warming up in the in the aisles when when was it Tony Lobianco is the, was the yeah. yeah was the pitcher yeah. and 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 they'd have and and uh, occasionally I would get to suit up and go into the aisle and play catch with with Jamie and and then there he was you know just playing with with these guys and so many great New York actors in these small roles um you know, Michael Bolger Mike Sheehan as the cops yeah um just incredible did you mention Luis Guzman yet I didn't mention Luis Guzman oh my god spectacular oh my god uh the yeah the the it, it's it was really exciting. It was some of the most exciting New York ensemble work like that. I swear. That Bowles has a comment. I swear, like 15 minutes into the movie, I swear I was searching for the actor was Sean James Reborn. Yeah. Yeah. Have you worked with Reborn or Reborn? How do you say that? I haven't. Uh, I I don't believe I have. No, no. I sat next to him at an audition once and got to tell him how spectacular I thought I was. I think I embarrassed myself. If you told him how spectacular you thought you were, that would be embarrassing. I have worked with... (laughs) The other way. way. Yeah. I have worked with one of the biggest stars of the film, um, and that is the the Steadicam operator. Did you really? Yeah, a guy named Larry McConkey, who who is legendary. Um, uh, he he's uh, he's the guy that that operated the the Steadicam shot in Goodfellas that tracks through the street, the, yeah. through the Copacabana. That mm-hmm. whole that. yeah, but all of that stuff coming down the steps in the club and following people around, all the stuff on the subway, all the stuff in Grand Central, and that subway stuff apparently took months and months to do. That chase. I mean, Carlito's way almost there. There'd be no movie without Steadicam, in, 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 in the the amount that it's used in it. And and uh, Larry McConkey. Actually, I worked with both the operators on that film. Uh, Larry McConkey um, was operating on uh, and came in and did Steadicam work on Sneaky Pete. And then uh, the other operator was a guy named Craig DeBona. Who um, who has become a DP, and uh, and was the DP on this this show, uh, this short-lived uh, show called uh, Tommy. Uh-huh. Um, but but McConkie is one of those guys. If if you're working as an actor or a guest director on a show, that that people will come up and kind of quietly let you know, like, I you know I don't know if you know, but this guy's like a legend. You know, he's yeah, just, yeah. He, be aware that he's with us today because sometimes he just comes on as like a day player sort of thing but i know though they're 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 um yeah they're like stars in their own world a, a, a guy like that i didn't know his name but i know his work 
yeah. totally. And you know, the thing, skilled guy. Think about him, his shooting, his operating with. You know, I, I wasn't even thinking about Steadicam during this. It just yeah. it doesn't feel like you know. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to use it the way a lot of people do. He really understands. It's. It's just constantly framed so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And this drop that. Those were the days before there was all the the, the you know the digital stabilization aspect too. You know. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. they may have used some stuff, but for the most part, um, the, the 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 guys that were doing Steadicam, there there was no you know framing it wider so that later on you can stabilize everything right. digitally with like what right. you see with yeah. had to be spot on and yeah. there was also probably a, a, maybe it was maybe by then there was more video feedback i can't remember by 93 but but not um, like nothing like nothing yeah. archaic back then yeah yeah uh, so and, you, you have to trust those guys to a huge degree and, yeah and, amazing god i i'm wondering i'm i can't i'm if the credits are so long i can't find his name but i bet you he's he must have operated for de palma a lot because he uses the same guys a lot de palma uh, yeah um just to give also while we're on technical stuff a shout out to you know stephen h burnham who was the cinematographer yeah wow just yeah. wow uh, one of the great pleasures lately for me to like kind of dive into the movies we've been talking about on the show so far, which is a lot of like late 80s and nine, early 90s stuff, was like before digital became a thing. It's like the last period where, you know, uh, films made on shot on film were getting the technology of it was getting at its most perfected that, that it would ever get, you know, and to look at how, you know, the image quality, the lush quality of, of, of seeing, you know, uh, sometimes I don't think this was 70 mil, but this, you know, seeing a beautiful, uh, beautifully shot filmed film uh, that has that much technical stuff going on in it. You know, it's just astounding. You think how hard it was to do stuff before all the cameras got light and digital and to see a movie that has like just seamless work throughout it's fantastic richard silbert also was the was the uh, production designer who is was he on carlito's way i shouldn't i should have known that but yeah amazing like, richard silbert who want, you know if anybody's listening and doesn't know who he is like did uh, uh um Chinatown, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Manchurian Candidate, Rosemary's Baby. I mean, just a long list of classic, amazing. I think he was Catch-22. Catch-22. Yeah, he was Catch-22. That's right. That's right. I showed this shot earlier, but I want to show it again just because it's an example of of his work. And I mean, there's so much amazing stuff. But this shot, this is the first time the palette in the movie changes significantly her dress showing up mm -hmm. and that symbol of of a different world an unobtainable world uh yeah. it's so stunning that that moment you like the fact that it, the neon across the street is the same color as her dress as well yeah and that wasn't digitally put in there that was actually people putting in 
a bank of fluorescent lights, you know, two blocks away across the street. And, and then also the, the, uh, bit player in the background in this scene, the guy at the other table who notices them and their relationship is, is a stunning little piece of storytelling. Because the way it focuses what's happening in that in that scene that that somebody else in the restaurant is noticing something interesting, right? Um, it's just really incredible. There's a there's an amazing shot of her uh, in in the back of a cab when she's waiting. They're 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 in a cab together and. And uh, Carlito goes out to do something and has her wait. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and there's a shot of her waiting that is like it, it's such a. If you just looked at it as a still, you you would guess that it was a Brian De Palma film. Mm-hmm. Something about the, the it's it's a little unnaturally wider than it would be from the front seat of the cab. And everything in the background is also equally in focus. He's doing that kind of that that kind of split depth of field where right. everything is sharp and and um, yeah, it, it's uh, it, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in the film. Really, interesting. what was your yeah? There, but there's also stuff that 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 bumped me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Get into it. Take off the gloves, man. Well, since we're talking about the Steadicam stuff, when they're when they're at Grand Central, and he's trying to hide from all the from all the mafia guys that are that he successfully hides from them, like they they they've passed him by, and then he and but but then in order for the visual storytelling to be able to continue in a way that's dynamic. You, you've got to continue to know where they are. So he comes out of his successful hiding place to go look at where they are and puts himself in plain view of them. And it, there are times throughout that sequence where it feels like actors are doing things in order to make the shots more interesting. I, I, yeah. yeah, I'm going to give you that, that I, I agree with you on but that. You're already safe. You're in a safe place. You hid successfully. Don't. Don't leave the steady cam operator out into a dangerous <laughs> this I, going on. Yeah, I, I I dropped that on the movie before that because they were at Grand Central and they were talking about trains to Miami. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> and it's a sign for sure that I've, I've been doing this too long that all I could think about was how exhausted everybody must be because in order to be able to shoot at Grand Central you knew it had to be at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> Yes, over the course of probably three weeks probably three weeks or more I know the train sequence shooting that train sequence apparently was months I think they had to do a lot of redos and, and they apparently went through multiple seasons so that by the time he was at the end of it Pacino was running around in like 90 degree weather in that coat so oh, it was uh, yeah. Here's a question for both of you. Do you think, do you think that the that the narration and the the decision to open with the ending of the movie was something that existed in an early draft 
uh, or that was scripted originally, or do you think it was something that was found in post-production? I don't know. I mean, it might be in the book, um, too. I don't know. Um, about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It might be in the book. You know, the guy who wrote the books is a New York City criminal courts judge. He's a Supreme Court judge in the criminal courts in New York. This is a and, movie show. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I have friends from law school who have, who, with the DA's office, who have appeared in his courtroom and they have many, many, many very good stories about him that they told me over the past couple of days. Oh. Uh, and then I got a call shortly before the show tonight saying, don't tell that story. Don't know. Don't tell that story. You can't tell that story. <laughs> it's like, oh, bummer. come on. But there was one, there's a couple of things I can talk about. He, uh, he had a, a, a defendant in front of him uh, so a lot, a lot of the language is coming from stuff this guy knows intimately, and he had a, uh, he had a, a defendant in front of him, who had uh, robbed two people on the subway, and had a couple of days before he'd robbed them gotten his face sliced open somehow, um, and uh, when 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 Edwin, um, his name is Edwin. Um, Ah, the judge's name, the author, who wrote the books, Edwin, um, Edwin Torres, the judge, uh, Edwin Torres. He uh, he um, he found out that it was actually he looked down at the indictment and saw that it was two counts of robbery, and he 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 said to the guy, "I'm going to max you out consec. I'm going to max you out consec if you get convicted." trying to get a plea out of the guy and the guy didn't uh the guy didn't plea um and uh the uh the ADA writing the trial when he heard the judge say I'm going to max you out consec started to was about to write on his folder defendant pleads guilty because anybody hearing that is going to plead guilty and the guy didn't plead guilty he went to trial right and uh between the time of the robberies and the trial his um, scar had turned into a keloid scar, which takes a while and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the defense made a, uh, a huge deal out of the fact that nobody, none of the victims mentioned this huge keloid scar on his face. And, and my friend got the, uh, the doctor called the doctor and told him what was going on. The doctor who'd stitched him up and the doctor got so angry, he took time off and came down to the courthouse to testify that that keloid scar wouldn't have been there five days after the robbery. Oh. And the guy got convicted. So there's some justice somewhere. So this guy, this well, just all of that to the point that the guy who wrote the books that this is based on lives in that world, knows that world, knows yeah. these people which I think is one of the reasons why all of these characters are so yes. rich and different. My guess is it wasn't David Kep or Cope who knew the streets. Probably That's not as well as the criminal court judge. Yeah. 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 
Probably <laughs> not. I love that that uh, Brigante means bandit too, or brigand. His his name. Uh, and the uh, that monologue he has about um, about the park, about what happened to him in the park. Yeah, uh, the 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 story. The, the only criticism I have of the story is that we're not given anything that gives us a key to why he changed in prison. Unless I missed it. Yeah, it just all seems about the, the, the shelf life of people in that life and, and kind of coming to grips with the fact that he wanted to turn things around. Well, but there's I, maybe that know, one line that he has where he says, you don't get reformed. You just run out of, you just run out of hand. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say. Like, I, I think that's what it, that's to me, what the statement was, was that it's, it's not that he didn't, he wouldn't be a criminal again. He does not that he doesn't believe in, in it as a choice, but he just doesn't have the energy, yeah. you know, like that's, you know, the kind of ironic, I mean, I, that's, to, that's very De Palma to me. I feel like that's, I mean, this is De Palma kind of going into the most sentimental territory he almost ever went into as a director. Uh, this is so much about this is a romance. Yeah. Which, which for me, that's probably where I disengaged from the movie the most. I, I just didn't totally... Something about... I just didn't necessarily believe that they had a relationship five years ago or that she well, was that, that, enough to yeah. have had one when he was before he went to prison or i didn't necessarily feel her connection to his world in any way and she yeah. would have been more interested in it i think or at least connected to his his something about him and and um so i just didn't quite buy the love affair or this love this romance as much as i think they wanted me to well not to and not to be not to be obvious about stuff, but it, but but it, it there's a huge age discrepancy between the two of them. Huge, and he's been in the joint for five years, and ostensibly they had enough of a relationship before that 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 you know her heart was broken and and, and his too. He's and he's remembered her all that time and looked looked her up again and. So, like, there's a part of you going, was she, like, 16 years old when they, yeah. when they first met? And it, it, it also just seemed, if they, were, if, if they were bonded enough to have that connection, it, it seemed a little hard to believe that, that he was um, just sort of uh, caught off guard by the fact that she, she's a stripper. Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I always, always said Broadway and I thought you were doing this. I know. Uh, and, didn't uh, totally. and, given, and given the fact that she's a stripper in a place that's frequented by gangsters, um, it's also a little, it, it, she feels a little um, uh, naive uh, yeah. about what, what the real story with him is. There, heroin dealer in new york city for when they were dating i mean how how you could have to know something was up 
you know? Yeah. You would. Yes. And you'd yeah. have to be benefiting from that lifestyle in some fashion, you'd think. Yeah. So, yeah, that is it is a bit of a thing. I mean, I, I, I was 100% invested in this movie kind of from not at the I, it took me a minute because the opening with him dying and stuff and like showing you that he's you know the movie starts with him dying and then the rest of it is kind of like the flashback and he narrates the story of how he dies yeah which is kind so of a film film noir if it's a film noir convention that i don't i feel like something was cut out i i really do because um seen with the ants <laughs> Well, right. go ahead. Just let me finish my point. That, that, that there should have been. I feel like there should have been a lot more of a punch when it's Leguizamo at the end that 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 tags him, that kills him, right? And it's it's like, oh, uh, that was gonna happen. Okay, of course. But I feel like they there was some something missing from uh, uh, from the 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 suspense of that as well, or the or or more of a aha moment with it. It it seemed a little bit uh, uh, perfunctory. Yeah, you know? I also and, found it interesting in that moment after Leguizamo pops uh, Carlito at the end, and then she is tending to Carlito and saying, you know, please don't die, and and Luis Guzman has that moment with, yeah. with it, and 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 Leguizamo pops Guzman. And she doesn't even really react to that. It's, like, no. it's almost shooting everybody. Like she next, you think there'd be a part of her like running for cover somewhere, but she's like she's no. staying in the team with him. It's, like, it was yeah. a bit odd, but it's that it got into that like that. That's the opera part of it, where it just becomes an opera, you know. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Favorite uh, lines? Favorite lines in the movie? Our cousin Peter has a favorite line in the movie that he wrote to me when he heard we were doing this. Does he? Yeah. Well, yeah. what is it? And I got to tell you that, that it became my favorite line too. Was I uh, like it? I like this line very much myself. I'll tell you something. Car rental guys don't get killed that much. <laughs> I, I like the line when you can't see the angles no more. You're in trouble. <laughs> Okay. Um, here's a question for you did, did you did you and i i'm i'm like you know an, a, a a devotee of this movie so i i probably see references to it where none yes exists. the an the answer to your question is yes but but the end the end the last shot reminded me i had flashbacks to the movie seconds the john frankenheimer movie oh. seconds because wow. I thought you were going. As he's dying and he sees her dancing on the beach, and wow. there's, that there's that amazing moment in seconds where he's he's in the he's in, on the operating table about to die, and the last image is uh, a, a, a guy with a kid on uh, on the beach with his daughter on his shoulders, kind of. Wow. And huh. I had a strong flashback to that. I would bet. I mean, I bet you seconds is a movie De Palma got a lot out of i would think it to me it was funny because i i saw that i think um uh well i guess 12 monkeys might have stolen it because 12 that reminded me a lot of the ending of 12 monkeys as well um 
Terry Gilliam's movie, but this was, that was 95. So maybe he stole that from, uh, from Brian De Palma. Everybody was stealing. Everybody was stealing. Yeah. Now you had a clip you wanted to show, right, Tony? Well, I did. If you want to see one, it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of my, I feel like it's the, it's my favorite scene. I don't have a favorite line of dialogue. Adam, Adam is furious. Adam, he doesn't want to talk about this anymore. Um, no, my, but, my, my, the, dog, my dog was acting very peculiarly. Uh, okay. Well, Tony's got a clip he wants to, to, to show. It's just, Let's, I don't have a favorite line or, or anything. I have a few favorite scenes, but this to me is all things considered, like acting, storytelling, surprising, De Palma at his best, uh, and something that you don't see in movies like this a lot. This scene was just a killer to me. I love this okay. Let's watch it. nice uh, it's just so uh, there's so much going on there it, 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 i don't know i think it's something about how terrified he is yeah in that bathroom you you're not used to seeing the hero of the gangster movie i mean you're used to being people being uptight you know and he's certainly nervous in the bathroom in the godfather which this is probably a callback to oh definitely justin no justin yeah patrick doyle score is really amazing um the whole the, the whole sequence, his, even uh, even his eyes darting around that room reminded me of him in, in the restaurant in godfather yeah absolutely but just that that the, uh that most of that scene is just covered in that one high angle that's that slowly comes down and turns into a shot and how the lights change it's so theatrical it's so fantastic how he uh, he orchestrates that, or I'm sure it took a whole bunch of people to do it, but or who conceived of it, but how it how it 
really becomes really abstract and surreal uh kind of like reminds you of, of like a nicholas winding refn you know that kind of modern take on stuff that he's doing but you're seeing the same thing back in the in the you know early 90s that was just as punchy and interesting but i just love pacino's terror in there you know he's not cool it's not scarface he thinks he's gonna die yeah and he's bluffing like he doesn't know what's gonna happen when he opens that door for real i just thought that was riveting man i love that um yeah, being out of bullets is a big uh, is a big theme in this movie. Uh huh. That's right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, Other than the Sean Penn thing at the end, where where else? Well, in that scene, in this in this scene. Yeah. Because he he realizes he's he's got nothing in his clip anymore. That 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 that's sort of why he puts the big bluff on is because he's going out there with an empty gun. Right. Well, it's good Which stuff. I, it probably says something about my life that that's just particularly resonant for me right now. I like, <laughs> I like that you just snapped into those, to, that you know exactly why, and that you've snapped into a very vivid description of what it's like to have a, be in a gunfight. That's yeah. a little unnerving. Well, listen, I, I, there's a lot about me you guys don't know. <laughs> let's, let's keep it that way then, because I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable. I don't know if this is the forum to get into it, but. Well, you probably learned some of that stuff doing Sons of Anarchy when you were directing that. There was, did you, you know, there was probably lots of gunplay there. I thought we were talking about an empty gun as a metaphor, but, you know, we don't have to go there. Well, the, that, there's that too. <laughs> I, listen, I, 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 I feel that given the way this evening has gone, um, Matthew, I feel like you have a shot with Penelope Ann Miller again. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm you might have talked up the performance a little more, maybe. I'm just saying. Well, I showed the picture of her in the green dress and talking yeah. about how much I loved it, and that it's the best shot in the movie. And you know, okay, well, Penelope, if you're out there, um, it tells you how much time has gone by when you see this movie. That 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 all he needs to make all of the rest of his life's dreams come true is $70,000. <laughs> I like so, how low those stakes are though. I love that. It's great. But <clears throat> for like, now, like that means we can pay our rent for three months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Question. Yeah. Really, really. Ah, uh, well, I think I've covered, I think I've covered all of my notes. Um, oh, the shot from the cut from pen to the cockroach. That, uh, that's some nice storytelling. Yeah. Subtle. Very exactly. subtle. Well, Just there's a lot of subtle. There's a lot of subtlety in this movie. The Dutch angles, like every time something's going really badly. Yeah. Yeah. Alice De Palma. How many De Palma movies have you seen, Matthew? Have you are you a are you a De Palma aficionado? I'm not an aficionado, but I've I've seen several of them, but I'm not an aficionado. Are you an apologist or just somebody who has no opinion? I'm an apologist after this movie. I liked this movie. Okay. I would actually watch this movie again. What was your not right away, but uh, did but eventually? What was your? Did you did you ever? Have a, did you have a De Palma movie that you 
kind of fell for and kind of, or did you like him from the beginning or did you admire him? I wasn't crazy about him from the beginning. How about you, Adam? Um, he, he is, the, I, 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 I have huge respect for him, but, but he's always been considered, uh, one of a group of directors in, in the company of, of other people who, who I, I've been more affected by their work. Let's mm -hmm. put it. Um, um, I, 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 Scarface, I love Scarface for the, for all of the reasons that we're talking about enjoying this movie and it was the it was the first time i thought pacino just went completely ape shit in a film <laughs> and, and i love it for that yeah one of the things look i felt at, yeah take a good look at the bad guy yeah you well one of the things i i felt yeah. about this film <laughs> But one of the things I felt about this film was that in terms of all of the 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 style of it, that's very sort of um, what you might call obvious or heavy handed. Um, that that's this was the first time I felt like I got to Palma when I had that realization at the beginning where it was an opera. And I said, oh, he's not being obvious and heavy handed because he doesn't know how to do anything else. This is a this is a choice of a kind of story. To, and then once yeah. I once I bought into that, then I was just able to enjoy it. The same yeah. way you'd say, "Oh, I'm picking up a romance novel, and this author wanted to write a romance novel. That's what they set out to do." Yeah. And and so I feel like he's setting out to do a particular thing, and he does it really effectively. Yeah. Um, and so. I ended up loving all of the Dutch angles. I ended up loving that very odd, complicated shot at the that we see twice of her turning upside down and then the camera moving and it being a right side up close up of him on the gurney at the end, which is very much draws attention to itself. For sure. But, but is aware that it's drawing attention to itself. So, so I ended up loving it. And, and, it, and it, 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 it accomplishes something. It, it does put you in a, it does put you in a very specific point of view. It's not unmotivated that, that those shots. It, right. It, it creates, it, it does put you in the head of somebody that's in their last moment somehow. Yeah. Um, and and I just have to say again how amazing, incredibly amazing I thought Penelope Ann Miller's performance was. Uh. <laughs> she was wonderful. You should have said that earlier in the show. Maybe I don't know. Make it sound like you were doing that earlier. If you're listening, Penelope, he's a, he really liked your work in the movie. I I hope you know that. <laughs> He thought your audition for Biloxi Blues was amazing. He's surprised. Get it? Or did you get it? I don't know. But and and I'm sorry. I'm deeply sorry. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I He's learned his lesson. Let's put yeah, it that yeah. Forty years later. Um, <laughs> um. Well, what what movie are we going to watch next week, gents? 
Oh, uh, wow. A movie that, that, that occurred to me that, that might be fun, but, but uh, it's a, and is this something we should be discussing here on, on within the body of the show? I don't see why not. We have no rules. When, when's the last time you guys saw a little drummer girl? Wow. Oh, that's a wow. great idea. Long George, time ago. Oh, George Royale Eaton. <clears throat> Who directed that again? Who directed George Roy Hill. George Roy Hill. My God. Oh, man. Wow. I'd love to see that. Is that available? Yeah. I'm checking right now. Is it on uh, Little Drummer Girl? That's a great idea, man. I, I, I that would that would be great. 1984's Little Drummer Girl is available on uh, Amazon Prime. There you go. Or Voodoo, or Google Play it's, Movies, or YouTube. So it, we don't receive money from them. We just want people to know where that they that these films are available if they want to see. Oh, Babu Sabramanian is watching the uh, show. See, thank you. I, you know, I got to say, I, I, Babu, thank hey, you Bob. for bringing up Carrie. Because I, 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 we, we can't talk about Palma without talking about what the roots of this guy. It's all about horror movies, right? Yeah. He started out as, as, as the most reviled. You know, everybody called him a sleaze bag. He was reviled. Like, but he made some of the most inventive bravura horror movies in this country. And being a big horror nut, you know, I got into him pretty early. So movies like Sisters and unbelievable. I mean, he made these little like he started out very small, low budget, and he did remarkable things for very little money. And then Carrie, thank you, Justin, Phantom of Paradise is an extraordinarily strange movie and amazing. But then Carrie gets into territory that's opera. That's where it starts becoming opera. And he has that vibe throughout the rest of his movies. And so I remember being, because a lot of his movies were on like uh, Cinemax late at night when cable was first starting up. And they were movies that as a kid, you weren't really supposed to see, but you'd sneak in and see them anyway, because... And his movies were were, were got a lot of sleazy stuff in them. Tony, mom's but, listening. She's listening. She just heard that. I'm 52 years old, man. I don't oh, care okay. anymore. Okay, I'm, I'm old enough to talk <laughs> about <laughs> dress to kill. If I want to talk about dress to kill, I no, can... no. I'm just saying she knows that now that you stayed up when you weren't supposed to and crept into the room. I they did they 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 didn't care. They wanted me to have an education and I was watching mostly art films, but occasionally there was a Brian De Palma movie, Dress to Kill or Body Double. And you're embarrassed to say that you like these things, but I'm not. Now no, you know Noah Baumbach totally uh he capped it because he made a documentary about De Palma. And Noah Baumbach's a huge De Palma fan. So, I'm sorry, mic drop. There there was a serious uh, uh there was a serious French uh film publication that that said that Carlito's Way was was in their estimation the 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 best film to come out of the 90s. Wow. And the other thing the other thing I I want to give a shout out to De Palma for was his 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 recognition of of talent. I mean yeah. he gave De Niro 
some of his earliest roles in film, he, he uh, 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 Sissy Spacek in, in Carrie was like a discovery for everyone. Like she was, yeah. she was, she worked in the art department. Uh, uh, she was, she was working in, you know, production when, when they, when he discovered her for that. And she fought to do it. She, she fought for that audition and he didn't want to audition her, but, but she, she made that happen and convinced oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and she's brilliant in that movie. As yeah. as is uh, a Piper Laurie is, inc Piper is an incredible performance. You know, again, operatic, like really big. But you know, I just have this uh, this appreciation for him. He seems to have fun, and he also he works with a lot of the same technical people. And when you see him working with, like, he'd worked with Sean Penn before, he'd worked with Pacino before, and when you see actors yeah. like that returning to work again. You got to feel like he he probably runs a good show. Like it might be hard to do, but I haven't heard I haven't heard that he's uh, an unfair guy. I would totally work with him twice. Well, you come on. We we you need we need health insurance. I'd work from any time he called me. <laughs> I'm not talking about the movies of his I didn't like. <laughs> no, he he worked. There was a chart I saw on De Palma of 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 actors that he worked with multiple times it was like the cohen brothers in that respect where mm -hmm. he, he worked with a lot of the same people in three four five films yeah yeah always seems like an indication that it's it's got to be a pretty good working experience yeah um well uh, this was an awesome conversation i think little drummer girl is a great idea yeah definitely we should go there and it's great to to finally have this show be the way it should be oh it's taken us long enough, but true. we got our shit together. No, it's true. Um, if you if you complain and guilt people enough, they'll, they'll eventually include you in things. <laughs> or they'll eventually show up on your show and talk to you. Yeah, and I have to apologize. <laughs> I have to apologize for something. I I neglected in in redoing the credit sequence. I didn't redo the end of the show banner. But I will get that done tomorrow. So, forgive me. Uh, it's really not a question of my forgiving you. You'll just have to deal with my representation. <laughs> okay. Um, well, listen, uh, everybody out there who's watching, uh, please, if you enjoyed this show, give it a like. Make sure you subscribe to this channel, and when you do, hit the bell icon so you get notified notified of upcoming live streams. Uh, and also, I run another show on Mondays at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, uh, Tips and Techniques for Actors, Authors, and Storytellers, where I interview different people in show business and the writing business and the theatrical business. And my guest this coming Monday is going to be the fabulous Amy Aquino, who oh, nice. is on Bosch right now and was in Working Girl and on Everybody Loves Raymond. And... Uh, I've had the, the incredible privilege of playing her love interest twice. Uh, we, we have a great time together on stage. So she'll have a lot of great stories and a lot of great advice. So please tune in for that. And uh, join us next week. You for played her. The... What? I thought you played her husband. I played her husband in one thing in her love. <laughs> 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 That's right. Her, only once did I play her love interest. The other time I played her husband. Yeah. Wow, that's true. That's right. Um, yeah. 
Um, is there, Adam, are you up to anything that you'd like to to uh, promote? Are you uh, are you on a social media platform that you would like to say that you do design for home, like cooking shows or some kind of a, a design? No. no? I'm up to I'm up to my eyeballs in in uh, in COVID related uh, hobbies and crafts. Excellent. Okay. Good. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, we will see you all next week. We hope. Good night, everybody. Can't wait. Good night. So long, guys. Good night. Oh, hey, and we got to tell people to go to our website. Right, because there's yeah. stuff on there. Yeah, there's merch. There's other episodes of the show. You should be subscribed to the show. There's so many episodes, but there's merch and there's stuff and yeah. there's gifts for people. Yeah. There's a t-shirt. There's a, a Silverado poster, all kinds of great stuff. So and check stuff, it out. Stuff is coming up too. We'll be adding stuff to it. Yeah. So check it out at arkinbros.com. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.